Hello, gentlemen. Howdy. As promised last week, we're going to talk about the anatomy of a show. I'm so today. excited for this. This one has been this one has been a long time coming. I think it's an idea that we've had. It's time. Been uh, particularly missing the live show thing lately. Um, so I can only imagine how you guys are feeling, considering that's what you guys do with most of your life. I really miss it very yeah. badly. It's it's definitely been a, a weird year for everybody, not just us, but um, I, I, I think I miss the most being able to, to like express the way I feel, and that sounds selfish, but... I I've realized over you know like the last it it's been a year since we played music you know right yeah, our Jake, last you, show was in March of last year yeah Jake first like, and last show ran sound for our last show almost like <laughs> mixed our stage stuff in Kansas City um, monitor engineer honorary yeah but it's 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 been hard. Uh, and and I didn't even really realize until today I was talking to a friend. It was like, yeah, it's really been almost a year since we last played our real live show, you know, like live streams. I don't really count. I'm just going to be really honest. I do not like those. And, and, and there's not, there's not any like, I really thrive off of the banter and like the reading the room. Yeah, the uh, I've ha- I've I had a really hard time with. We only did like four uh, live streams, mm-hmm. and I and I know like most of the people that do music. I mean, they did them all the time, and I don't. Props to them for doing it, but I uh, I don't like them. <laughs> I, I mean, think it's we like, needed a reset. Uh, we that time off of the road felt good in a way. Because we'd been going really hard for a number of years, and I think that the silver lining is that we got to kind of get some rest that had been long overdue, and just working on ourselves and just like personal things, you know, things that we each have going on. I think it's good to look at it that light, but the hard part is that feeling that you still have. Like Willie Nelson calls it picker syndrome, where you just like— right. You just want to play for somebody. Mm-hmm. And the whole process of like the anatomy of a show, of the, of everything that goes into it from getting in the van in the morning and, you know, you've got your coffee and you're driving to the venue and you, you show up and you set up and you go through your whole routine. It's like clocking into work and mm. like a job that you absolutely love that you haven't been able to do. And mm-hmm. part of you is like just really craving that. If you want right. to call it a routine, I mean, in a way it is, but um, I think that's been the hardest part for me is just not having that that like ability to to just do that. Like the little things, right. you know, like even this, it sounds crazy, but even the smell of like a gas station, like a, like a TA. <laughs> You know, like yeah. you walk in, you're super tired, you're worn out. It's one in the morning. You stop in to fill up the van. You get out, you go in, and it's like there's something comforting about the smell of a gas station. 
I don't know what it is. Like on tour, Gasoline. it's just something that felt a, a, a clean gas station, maybe. a clean one. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's be. Specific. It can be pretty disconcerting if it's a bad gas station. <laughs> this, yes, the kinds of smells. But yes, you know, like yeah, Bucky's. No, I hear you, dude. Like a Bucky's in Texas. That's what I'm talking about. Like high yeah. end. Just Not like it. they got beef jerky, you could order a pulled pork sandwich at two a.m. Wow. Have, Not, have you been? Have you been on a run I've with us been. in Texas yet? You will. No, I've never been. It's amazing. Not everybody knows what a Bucky's is, but it's basically a travel center on crack. It has like you can order food, literally order like a barbecue sandwich or like burger or whatever. Yep, and then they have they always have like a amazing selection of popcorn, like kettle corn, caramel corn, mm. and then giant bathrooms clean. The bathrooms super are clean. clean. It feels Huge. like, you know, you're like, you're brushing your teeth in the sink and you look over and there's another guy doing it and you both kind of give a nod like, eh, all right, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, just like, just, yeah. why is it so much better? Those should be everywhere. Mm. Right. Yeah, I'd, com I'd compare that to like a, that most people probably know is like a Love's travel mm -hmm. center. Like a Love's mm -hmm. on crack. Oh, Yeah. Loves is a little better than your average uh, Conoco or uh, in in Loves Phillips has sixty six. Yeah, Phillips. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, ironically, this episode is sponsored by Bucky's uh, <laughs> Travels. Just kidding. That would but yeah, be no, not a sponsor. <clears throat> I think that's the interesting thing about this this episode idea, um, because we've done we've done a fair amount of talking about you know performing and practicing. So kind of like the the thing that creates the performance and then the performance itself. But I, I think a lot of people don't know actually the like the logistics and everything that go into a full day or like <clears throat> the elements of the job that make it like a job other than just like being a super cool, you know, playing performances and stuff. And I think for all three of us, um, obviously the, the performance is the payoff and is like, you know, super fun. We all really enjoy that. But I think there are a lot of elements of the before and the after that we sort of like more in, in a strange way. Um, at least my speaking from experience or my personal experience, like I really enjoy like the pre-show all everything about the pre-show. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to, to tell everybody kind of what all goes in that they don't see behind the scenes. And then um, I think it'll be a pretty natural jumping off point to tell like examples of the ideal and the less than ideal <laughs> scenarios yeah. that we've been in. So could we, we have some pretty good stories about stuff like this. So, yeah, man, it's amazing to go out on the road and have a team behind you and with you to help do everything and facilitate things behind the scenes and work really hard. And the whole thing that people see is, you know, you buy a ticket, you show up when doors open and you watch the show. You, you might hang out for a bit at the merch table and then you, you go home. So like as a, right. a listener or a fan, you don't see all the other stuff. And like the other stuff is what makes the show so good. And there's so many parts about like the anatomy of a show. I love that title because it literally is an entire like 
everything that goes into making that hour and a half on stage count and be as good as good as it is really is affected by like you know were you rushing to the show in the morning were you late did you have a radio show at 6 a.m that you had to be up for like did you have a call time that was super early so now you're tired did you is there a meet and greet before the show were you driving for six or seven hours like there's all these parts that go into play in the day that nobody really knows and Right. For a lot of people that don't know, we were fortunate enough to get a Sprinter van. It's a, a van that you can like stand up in and put your pants on, which is really nice. Right. But we, we kind of <laughs> custom built it, and it's been our home away from home for the past couple of years and kind of provided some comfort with like a little kitchen and a fridge, and everybody kind of has their own space um, and some bunk beds. But those kind of things really help kind of like provide a little bit of a constant or a foundation for how well the show goes. And yeah, dude, everything from like the drive to when you get there to loading in to sound check to in between like, you know, pre-performance rituals, how you get in the mindset before you play the tear down, leaving like, being wired after the show, trying to come down from that high of the performance. There's so many parts of it that Mm. I miss. That's Mm -hmm. for me, that's, those are the things that really drive me to keep going and experiencing time with, with the listeners and the fans that are there having those interactions and stuff is something that's invaluable. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's break it down. Let's start from the beginning. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 kind of step through all the different major phases of a of a day in the life of our you know musician routine, um, and kind of give some f- some further insight. So I know like when I play with you guys is a little bit different from the routine is is pretty different from when you guys play each other with just each other as the duo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to talk about that those differences as well because when you have a band of four, everybody can share the load a little bit and have, Mm -hmm. we have different responsibilities when we play, um, as the group. And then when we're not there, you guys have to split all the responsibility. So Mm -hmm. we can talk about that too, but let's start from the beginning. Um, like step one, I would say is the drive to the venue. So what time of day does this typically start, um, for you, like in your experience? Man, it could be any time. Like we've we've left literally after the show and driven through the night to a different city if it's been a long ways right. away, or we've we've driven. We usually like to drive to cut down a few hours. We try not to do more than six hours between cities. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, Ty he probably he can speak to this more because he's the one that drives about ninety five percent of the time, but <laughs> he likes to get up early. And I hate mornings. Mm. And so he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll always opt for getting up at like five in the morning and leaving versus driving till five, you know? And it's like, right. which one's really better? I don't know. I think it just depends. Mm-hmm. But brother, maybe you can speak to, to that piece because you, you seem to kind of have a, you've kind of led that, that part of, of what we've done, kind of calling the shots on when, 
the best time is to leave and calculating where we need to be and stuff. Yeah, I think I feel really bad most of the time after shows because we have a lot of friends and, or um, people that come to the shows that offer for us to stay. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, brother, you know, we if we play in Chicago or something, it makes way more sense for us to leave at 11, 12 p.m. or 1 a.m. and get out of the city so that we're not trying to fight traffic in the morning, you know, and we're we're well mm-hmm. on our way. We've done that plenty of times, but, um, you know, I think trying to find that balance between uh, avoiding slowdowns and the fact that we just, we probably drove that day and then we right. loaded in, played the show, load out after we um, talk with people and, and, and you know, ha- have a drink or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times it comes down to that. Like, have we had a few whiskeys? Should we probably not drive <laughs> <laughs> six right. hours? Just, I mean, being realistic about it with that. But um, having the vehicle that we have makes a big difference for that because... If we feel like we just need to get out of the city and then crash, that's, that's a, that's a big thing. But, um, I, I prefer to stay a couple hours outside of where we played and then get like six or seven hours of sleep and then, you know, leave at, uh, eight or 9am and then have the drive Load ins usually like early afternoon, late afternoon, you know. But but you got to realize this too. While I'm driving, um, after we played a show, Nick is usually working on details for the next day or any other show during the week after that. Just like right. hammering out details with because these um, these booking these people that book for these venues and stuff, that's usually when they go to work. Like the, the bar opens at 9 PM and these guys bring their laptops in. And I mean, we've seen it a million times. They sit at the bar, open their laptop Mm. and they work until like two, 3 AM. So Nick's like conversating with these people while we're driving to towards the next place. But um, it's not such a big deal when we're in between um, smaller cities, you know, like we could, we can stay after a show in a smaller city and hang out with people and have some drinks or even go eat and then go to the hotel or whatever we're going to do. We're going to stay in the van if it's duo and right sleep and then, uh, get up the next morning at a reasonable hour and drive. But if we're in like Chicago or, um, Atlanta or New Big York cities, yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard to justify just like crashing on someone's couch like an hour away. Right. <laughs> you know, well, it's yeah. hard too because you don't want to miss out on the city. Like, especially if right. you're in a place like New York, you know, you want to see the sights or like do something. And it's hard because you can't, you know, we have a list that people have given us of a million things in each mm-hmm. city, but you literally can't do everything. You have to just pick one 
mm-hmm. just say, you know what, today we're going to do this. And that's when sometimes we leave earlier because we want to get somewhere that we normally don't get to go and just see some, you know, go eat somewhere or go see something. And right, that makes it worth it to get up a couple hours earlier or to leave the night before to have that experience. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's tough to make that happen. And that's frustrating too because, you know, we've had people that have come up to us and said, oh man, you guys must see so many things. And it's like, right. bro, we yeah. see a lot of shit from the windshield. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're here for like four night, hours, five yeah. hours, and that whole time is spent in yeah. the venue. Yeah. yeah, and rest is important. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people discount the fact that most of the day spent prior to the show is split between driving to the venue and then like getting ready for the show. Like they, I think there's this misconception that there's just a constant downtime and you know, you get to a level of being a musician where you have techs and load in like crew and people that do all that for you. But at the level that we're at and that most touring musicians are at, they don't have teams of people like bussing their stuff in before they Mm -hmm. even show up to the venue. Mm -hmm. So we're responsible for a lot of that. So after the drive, let's talk about getting to the actual venue because that can be a thing as well. Like are all venues created equal and accommodations for parking your rig or, you know, what's the ideal and what's the less than ideal here? Man, it's crazy because, you know, we have a rider and for anyone listening who who knows what a rider is, it's basically a sheet that just says what your basic needs are as an artist. And every artist has one. Most artists do. And it's literally just like, you know, if we're going to put on a show, can you at least furnish these few very basic need things? And there's the can whole Can you joke arrange of, the furniture in a certain way? And yeah. Need Green m ms Certain you know, temperature needs on to the be... Wall. 68 right. and a half degrees. No, exactly. hot, no hot colors in the room. It has to be right. all. <laughs> Bottled water, room right. temperature. You know, it's like the specific crazy things. And I read once online that there was an article posted about how bands demand these crazy things. And one theory behind it was that if they didn't get provided those things that they asked for, like, for example, all blue M&Ms, then that meant that detail wasn't paid attention to. So they kind of mm. knew what the night was going to be like. That, mm. all right, if that wasn't paid attention to, there might be a few other things that have been overlooked and it kind of just gives you a, a heads up into going into it. Interesting. Prepare. I get the logic. I, I get the logic yeah. there, but also some of those things are outlandish. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like I think there's I think there's a line. I think that's a fair there's, line of line of reasoning if it's right. like a vegetable tray. Right. But to sort out M&Ms or whatever, obviously that's an extreme yeah. example. But I right. I read something um, like when, I think it was John Mayer, he said when he started playing stadiums, um, he didn't, at first didn't realize that like the green room is just a locker room. Yes. And so yeah. he started, he started adding like a couch to his rider because yes. otherwise you're sitting on, you know, like a wooden bench the entire time pre-show. Yes. And yeah, for, man. for people like that, like their, their setup and teardown is way longer. So mm-hmm. if you're at the venue for six hours versus, you know, three hours before the show, um, 
that can really start to fatigue you, not only like literally physically, but also mentally, I would imagine. Yeah. Dude, we had, we had a couple of shows like that too, where it was literally like a basketball locker room or whatever. And it was like, you get in there and you sit down and you're like, thank God somebody thought to bring a couch in because you'd just be chilling right. for a couple hours on a wooden bench against, uh, you know, some lockers with jerseys that God knows how long they've been in there without being washed. It's like right. <laughs> the little things that go a long ways that help you prepare. And it totally sounds like you're being a diva or you're being high maintenance, but those little things are really important. Just, you know, like you, you go to work and you expect to have, you know, in your office, a desk and a chair to sit in, you know, it's like, yeah, what are literally the things that help you do your job well? And Mm -hmm. for us, we've learned that too, like how to kind of be conscious of what's really important and what's just, you know, you're just being outlandish, like you said, but right. So, so we roll in kind of how the day goes. It's like one, two or three o'clock, probably no later than that. Um, we roll into town. If we have a hotel or not, um, doesn't make a huge difference. We drive to the venue, we navigate to the venue and, uh, we do what we call, we case it. Like mm-hmm. we, we drive around it and just kind of see where it's at locale wise and like where we're going to be going in. And it's really nice when the venue has cones out for the van so that we know where mm-hmm. we're going to park, but it doesn't happen all the time. Um, Especially when you have the trailer. Normally when we're at the right. bank, we have a trailer. So it's literally right. like 40 right. feet of space. And venues usually ask how long of a rig are you bringing including a trailer and so they'll try to like cone it off or whatever but uh we go case it see what it looks like and if we have a hotel um we usually go to the hotel very quickly um you know just write the set list uh take a shower if we hadn't done it the night before and just kind of get our bearings and to mm. throw all of our backpacks and everything because we'd rather not leave all of our stuff in the van if we don't have to, you know? Right. Um, into the hotel, we put all of our laptops and all that. And then, oh, like sound check time, if that's like three or four o'clock, we head back over to the venue. Um, we sound check, which usually takes like hour, hour and a half, maybe a little more um, of setup and having the the sound guy come in and dial everything in um we get the green room set up a little bit after we sound check just with essentials like the set list or um you know a i want to stop you right there bro like what's a green room oh <laughs> well the green room is not like you said it's sometimes is just a locker room with a wooden bench but <laughs> it's it's essentially a place where we can go like decompress or uh, is allowed. Yeah. No, well, some people are allowed, (laughs) but, but we, yeah, we go there to just kind of like regroup. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of times people don't think about how people oriented, um, being a musician is and, and you're, you basically from when you arrive at the venue to when you leave, it's all about people. 
you know, you mm-hmm. get there, it's the venue owner and the sound guy or whoever else is that may be the bartender and you're spending time with people. You, you're always um, on. Always on. Yeah. You, you sound check with the sound guy. And then after that, you go um, set up merch. If, if it has to be us, if it's not someone else um, setting up merching. Um, usually at this time, people are kind of like trickling into the bar. So you're never just like um, sound check and then disappear. You know, there's always like, you know, unless the opener. you're me. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're Jake. But you, guys, usually- <laughs> you guys are way more social like the entire night, which like is <laughs> it, great for you. I think you guys enjoy it, but I can't. I can't do that. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's not that I don't want to. It's literally in order to do the job that I'm paid to do that day. I'm not able to do all of those. Yeah, things. you can't. You can't just. It's understandable. Be, it takes a lot out of you to to be around people like that. And I think we, yeah. Tyler and I, have kind of felt this sort of balance that we've had to try to find. With okay, we need to make sure. You know, sometimes we're driving in the van and we we each have our earbuds in, and it's like we don't even talk. Or when, mm-hmm. and when you guys are with us, when it's the crew, the band, whatever, it's, we kind of all take our own space and we, <laughs> you know, you get in the van in the morning and you don't talk till you get there. So. Yeah, that's so true. Like when we're all in the van together, there are very few words exchanged. And it's not because <laughs> we're upset with each other. each other. Like, I feel like the best combinations of our group have been the ones that understand the dynamic of like, yes, we, we don't need to to have small talk all the time. Yeah. You like yep. if you have something to that you want to talk about, we'll talk about that. But if we're just yes. talking about the weather, it's like there it takes up too much bandwidth. <laughs> like yes. when you spend <laughs> when you spend all day and night interacting with people, you you don't you don't need it. And yeah. the guys that we usually play with um all get it, which is refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I think um you know, we do the the green room thing and you're usually a big part of it is kind of you feel like you're hosting the opener in a way you know you want them to feel you want them to feel welcome or if usually the opener is from the city that you're playing in so like they'll give you the rundown on like what are the best places to go eat and you know, right. even, whether we get to experience those places or not is a thing. But yeah. um, I, I always, I've, I have always wanted to make the opener feel like they are just as welcome in our group because um, I think a lot of times openers come in thinking these guys think they're hot shots and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to hang out with them at all. So usually the first thing I do is say, Hey, you, you want to come have a whiskey with me in the green room? And, um, you know, I've had several no's like, yeah, you know, but, but the majority of the time we say the green room's open. If you guys want to, if you or whoever's playing with you as the opener, if you want to come back and hang out, please do. Um, the best venues have like separate green rooms and that sounds very diva, but it's really nice to be able to have, to let those guys be able to rehearse one or two songs, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And we might do the same and just talking through the show, like it isn't absolutely necessary for you to have the opener listening in on your conversation about like how the show is going to go. So, um, that's, that's always something I'm trying to keep in mind, like making the opener feel welcome. Um, 
Well, we've and been then, on the other side of that too, where we've been right. the opener and it's kind of like, you kind of know how it feels and you know what to expect and yeah. maybe what you kind of feel like would be nice. So, I mean, I don't yeah. want to sound like pretentious at all, but I feel you like don't. when Nick, when you and I are openers, we totally just leave them alone, you yeah. know? Because we like stand outside in the cold and the snow. With our heads <laughs> yeah. Up and well, you've got a green room on wheels, so. Yes. The van is the green yeah. room when we're an opener because we know like how sacred that time is for them. And usually yes. when we open for a band, they've been on the road for who knows how long, weeks, you right. know. And, and there's some, most of the time, I guess, more recently, it's just like us intersecting with a band that is on tour. And so we get it, like, we're doing it too, but we're opening for you. So this is your party. And we right. kind of got like the plus one. So we're not right. trying, we're not trying to like get in the green room and get up on the table and dance and, you know, right. I mean, I, mean, I would. I usually, I mean, you, you usually do. But, you know. if, if they asked. Well, but, and like as an, as an opener, I feel like there's this, you, you can invite the openers into the green room, but if you're an opener, you're not going to be bringing your buddies into the green room. No. You know, right, that's right. like crashing a wedding with your <laughs> all of your high school friends or something. You There's know? like 20 people and you you say, is this your orchestra or... No, right. no, these are my, this is my friend. He's from here. This is my other friend. I remember specifically um, there was this one time where we were opening for a band that had um, like this huge uh, metal bucket of ice full of beers mm. and... Uh, our green room as the openers was like very small and there was like nothing really, some chips and salsa. You'll notice like on the rider, the venues will go through and like pick certain things. Like they don't. Right. The really good ones do everything, but right. sometimes they're just like, oh yeah, chips and salsa, we can do that. Yeah. But um, our venue, our uh, green room had chips and salsa and like a bottle of whiskey. But mm -hmm. the band that we opened for they had like all this really good beer just assorted in this ice bucket thing. And um, we were in the our green room just kind of like rehearsing or whatever. And the one of the guys came in and he was like, hey, we got like this whole, like there's like 40 beers in this thing. If you guys want to <laughs> come over and get some, you know. And, and yeah. so I always, I, you know, you don't have to say much else to me. Like we're both doing the same thing and I don't need you to like tell me hey we heard you guys and you sound really good and we're really excited for the night like I don't yeah. need that but like the fact that they're like hey come over to our room and grab some beers or whatever that's yeah. that's what I've always wanted to like provide for the opener for us is like that welcoming like you mm -hmm. can these rooms are interchangeable. If you need to come in here, or if you want to grab some beer, like we have more food in our room. Right. Unless I'm naked, yeah. that's the only exception. Yeah, unless, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I remember one time, I took a shower during the headliners' uh, performance because we knew that we were going to have to leave like right after. So we listened to like three or four of their songs, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to bust out this quick shower real quick. And I come out of the shower and their manager was <laughs> in the green room and he was just like scowling. And I was like, oh, I I was going to explain myself. And I was like, I'm just, and he's like, it's all good. Just yeah. go. <laughs> that's funny. So that's a, that's a fun thing. Like trying to 
make an environment for everybody, not just the opener, but like the bartender and the venue owner, um, the booking. Well, like, yeah, that's the amazing part is you get to cultivate that environment. And I feel yeah, like in a lot of these you, theaters, right? yeah, like you walk in and whatever kind of experience you want to bring, you're allowed to set that. And it's cool yeah. because I feel like a lot of times, you know, you, you go to a show and you kind of can feel that within the first couple songs or honestly when doors open and you walk in and, you, and you're there and whatever music is playing, however the lights feel, however the, the room feels, you kind of know what you're in for. And well, hopefully you know what you're in for if you bought tickets, but you kind of know like what to expect. And then that's one of my favorite parts too, is like Jake mentioned, kind of like the pre-show, like setting up the room, setting up the environment and letting the energy kind of take, take its form and guide the, guide the, the entire evening is kind of dependent on us and the energy we bring, but it's also dependent upon the people that are there and kind yeah. of what they bring to. Yep. Agree. So we covered load in kind of the, uh, the green room experience before the, the performance, the next probably most important part is the sound check, which we, we touched on briefly, but I think maybe a lot of people don't actually know how this goes. So do we want to explain like load in and sound check in a little bit more detail? It's and my how favorite it, maybe, part. How, maybe how it's different. I, I agree. That's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> it's Go amazing. Ahead, brother. I think the coolest part about the sound check is every single venue is different. Mm. So there's this sort of challenge that we come up against every time we pull into a new city. And with that being said, it helps us kind of set the mood and dial in the sound and just kind of get a feel for everything and like one thing that I've I've noticed especially when you guys are with us Jake like when the band is out there's this there's this sort of thing that happens where we all load in we all get it set up um sound techs helping stage hands everything the crew everything is getting set lights are being worked on and there's this moment and the moment that happens is like this sort of like you exhale and everything's kind of getting dialed. You start to feel really mm. good. The room is completely empty. Nobody's here yet. And you're just kind of preparing yourself for how the night's going to feel. And like, right. The amazing part is, is like everybody has something going on. Like mm -hmm. you could have a shit day and you're sitting at your drum set and you're, you, you might've had something happen or you're dealing with whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's this like peace that kind of comes over you where right. you, you just kind of know, like you have to show up and yep. it's kind of tough sometimes to fight that. Like, you know, if something happens or if you're dealing with something personally or whatever it is, you have to kind of leave that at the door and show up for the song. And it can kind of be taxing. Like you, you, you like, you kind of struggle with that balance of like at sound check, it's kind of like you're still trying to get in the mode. You're hearing the sounds, you're dialing in your in ears, you're 
hearing how it sounds without that, with the room. Um, sometimes I know Ty has gone like to the back of the room and kind of just like sat and kind of gotten a feel for it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're kind of, you're in a way like envisioning how the night's going to go. Right. And no matter what happens, you have to show up and leave it all on the table. So my favorite part is I remember we played, um, we played a theater last fall and Jake, I went behind you, you were at the drums and I, I like was recording just kind of like the room. It was empty. We were doing sound check. Our sound tech was out front and everybody was kind of in their, in their spot. And I like was recording from the perspective of behind you kind of looking out. And it was this feeling that I got of kind of serenity or like sort Mm -hmm. of, it just felt right. Like it felt how it was supposed to be. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to explain that because it's just more of like a, it's like an aha moment where you're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. No matter what happens, no matter how many times I, you know, I F up this night, I screw up this note, I sing this wrong harmony, I whatever. There's this peace that kind of comes over you from being there. And right. those are my favorite moments of like dialing in that sound and everybody kind of being on the same page or like being backstage right before the show and feeling like that tension in your gut before you run a race, before you Mm -hmm. make a presentation, before you speak in front of people, before you play a show, whatever it is. It's like that same thing. But right, those are my favorite parts. I think the, the sound check, the sound check serves a very specific purpose Technically, obviously, because this is this is when you dial in all your gear and make sure that <clears throat> you know the the magic elves of electricity aren't aren't messing with you that day. <laughs> you know, you find all the bad cables and you find all the yes. you know stuff that's not working. You get all that ironed out during sound check, but it's also the first time of. I mean, it's the only time that you get to really get a feel of the room, and um, for, for people that don't really know what that means. Like there's kind of this phenomenon from room to room, like every room sounds different, just depend on how it's built and what things are in there and who's running sound and what the sound systems sounds like. And even with in-ears, which we've, we've started playing with recently, um, it still has an effect. Like if you're playing in a really big room and the stage is really big, you're not going to feel the sounds from other people. Like, when you're playing on a, on a stage, you can literally feel like the kick drum, you can feel the bass frequencies and like you can hear your guitar amp and things. Um, but on, on really big stages, that's different. So you need to like become accustomed to how each room and how each stage feels before you can like really meld. So you get a feel for the room, you kind of can get an idea for how things are gonna sound for the crowd. But then this is also, an opportunity to just resync with the whole band. Like we, mm-hmm. the sound check process is like you check every instrument kind of in a vacuum by itself to make sure everything works and set basic levels. And then you run, you know, like usually two or two or three songs, um, maybe not cover to cover, but just to get an idea of where everything's sitting in the mix. And this is usually 
I don't want to say this is like rehearsal time for us because that's a very different thing, but it's definitely a chance for us all to like get on the same wavelength mentally, I think. And things change during the show just because of the difference of an empty room and doing it in a vacuum and when there's people and um, being spontaneous and in the moment. But when we're all kind of synced up and in that same frequency on that same, um, it's, it sounds very like cosmic, but there's, there is this element of like energy sinking. I feel like that happens at, at soundcheck. And I think some of the worst shows I've ever played, um, or at least the way that I felt about them were on shows that we had a rushed soundcheck. Like if yes. we don't have the time to really do soundcheck well and play at least one song cover to cover, um, I, I don't feel good about the show for whatever reason. Like if, if I feel rushed yeah. during soundcheck, everything else of the day can honestly be terrible. But if the soundcheck is really good, the show is going to feel really good. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's so true. We had a show that we played and it was, uh, it was barely a line check. Like a line check is just, you make sure every instrument's coming through the, the mains. Mm-hmm. The mains is what everybody hears. And then we have our own monitor mix, whether it's in-ears or wedges and, we might hear something completely different than what the house is hearing. And right. we got up there and we set up, we had everything out on stage and they're, they're like, we don't have time. And we're like, bro, we need to, <laughs> we need a sound check. Yeah. No, there's no time. Like it was a festival lineup and yeah. we got out there and we played and it was super difficult to feel good because we yeah. didn't have that time. So like, it's amazing when, you know, the difference between playing a festival or playing a, like a theater or a club, we have the time to actually right. dial in everything. But it's so true, like what you said about about being able to uh, to just like take the time to do that. Because if you don't have it, it just throws off your whole night. And, right. You know, there's been times where you can't hear something or... Dude, there's been times where I've I played a show and I like hardly sing because I can't hear Ty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's luck of the draw, it sucks. And that yeah. used to happen more back in the day, not so much now, but it's a shitty feeling to be like, yeah. I can't really hear what I'm doing. So. Yeah, that is that happens to me a lot, which is why I'm so excited to be on in-ears now. But I feel like in the last few years, probably 80% of the shows, I have not been able to hear everything that I need to like I I get really terrible monitor mixes and yes I think I mean part of that is because you set your monitors in sound check where everyone like people don't play the same during sound check which bothers me like we should Mm -hmm. but it's you just can't like you have to kind of psych yourself like fake yourself into the same level of energy so Mm -hmm. like Ty will kind of play his guitar and he thinks he's playing it hard because it seems hard because there's no one in the room to absorb the sound. Right. But then when we play the show, it's way harder. And then that's all I can hear in my monitor because I usually have him hotter in my monitors because we yeah. sync on rhythm mm-hmm. so much. So it can mm-hmm. blow everything out. And it's a bummer because like, I don't get to hear the music really. I could just get to hear mm-hmm. like my part and then Ty's part. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, now that we're on in-ears, it's, it's better because we can kind of set everything before we get there. And it's, isolated a little bit more but yeah this is gonna sound like a sales pitch 
But I was going to say shout out to 64 Audio for the in-ears and for yep. Sennheiser for hooking us up with, with in-ears. Because, dude, it, it also, like, protects your hearing because you're, mm. you're only hearing what you want to hear instead of just complete loud noise. Yeah, but, and it's direct into your ear so you don't have to crank. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, you can hear it at a lower volume and still he- have right. the fidelity to hear everything you need. But yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to just kind of an interesting because we 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 play we're at a level right now where we play still a varying varied styles of venues. So like we go from large rooms to small clubs, kind of like within twenty four hours of each other. Um, so just another example of why the sound check is so par- important. Last year, last fall, we played. Um, we had had like a string of rehearsals before this run of shows that we did where we played everything in like a large room and we were expecting, we were practicing for the biggest room of the, of the run. So we had like really high energy. Like I had everything dialed in and my parts on the drums. And then we get to sound check in this club that we were playing, which was like maybe 150, 200 people, um, club way more intimate. The stage is tiny. You can like, everything is bouncing off the walls. Um, I had to put, I had to go to the, uh, like auto zone and buy chamois that you dry off your car with and like (laughs) adhere those to my drum heads because, uh, I couldn't play. The engineer said that we couldn't mic the drum kit because, it was like too loud. He was wanting to just use the stage sound of the drums, but I knew that that would sound super unbalanced in the room. So I was like, well, if I dampen all of my drums, can we mic everything so it all sounds the same? And he was like, oh, well, we'll try it. And so that's what we did. And it sounded really, really good. But I had to play Mm -hmm. like, basically, instead of hitting the drum head, I was hitting rags. So the reason the sound check was so important was because I had to like, play a couple songs to get used to that. If I would have just like not sound checked and then came in and played on these rags, it would have sent like, I would have been taken out of my element really quickly. But these are the kind of things that you, you figure out during sound check. And in small rooms like that, you're typically bound to find more issues if you're playing with a full band, because drums are really, really harsh. And I think we talked about Two weeks ago, um, the time I got fired from a band because I like refused to play with hot rods. <laughs> yeah. That's what people always say is to play with hot rods, but I I don't want to because it sounds terrible. So I have to get I have to do those things during sound check too, which is why it's important. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, it's crazy. So I, what's crazy? The fact that that every room is different. Like the ability to to set up the exact same using the yeah. exact same instrument, using the exact same sticks or guitar or pedal board, and the room is completely different. You can get so mm-hmm. many different sounds from playing a club versus a theater or right. even, you know, theater to theater. It's it's completely different. So it's well, always on, a challenge to make it dialed. On drums too, you'll typically find that you need to tune the drums differently for the room. Mm-hmm which is another thing people don't usually realize is that you can actually tune drums. Um, and that's a thing that I have right. to do as well. Like I try to, I try to spend like a good 15 or 20 minutes before we actually play anything together, just making sure that the kit is going to sound and react the way I want it to. Because like if humidity and like all this 
the air changes on the drive from one town to another. The drums are going to mm-hmm. be completely different. And this is my only chance to get that ironed out before the show. Yeah. So, um, but after sound check, I want to talk about the weird time in between when you finish sound check <laughs> and when you take the stage again for the performance. Because if you're the headliner, that time of that amount of time is quite a bit. It's a significant amount of time. And so I wanted to talk about if, if any of us have like specific uh, pre-show rituals or things that we do to get our mind in the right headspace here. Um, is this something that we are able to keep the same from show to show or um, how it yeah. affects the show if we don't get that time? Something we always say, it's, it's, uh, it's enough time to do something, but not enough time to do anything. Right. And it's, it's literally just this like in between period of you just got done with sound check. You have enough time to eat, but you don't quite have enough time to go do something like see the city mm-hmm. or see a site or whatever it is. And so we've kind of learned within the past year and a half or so to utilize that time to kind of like just rest and get in the mm-hmm. mindset and you know, whether it's have a drink or just like do something that's productive or do nothing at all. Right. Um, I think this is like the time where we actually kind of talk and hang out and just like do something that kind of helps you unwind from six or seven or eight hours of traveling mm-hmm. and, you know, a rigorous sound check where you just load it in, you just set up, um, probably most likely it's like takes place in the green room mm-hmm. where you're able to kind of enjoy this time. And sometimes it's amazing. Cause like people will bring stuff to the show. Um, they'll show up or send something like, uh, <laughs> it could be anything from a batch of cookies to, you know, like a bottle of whiskey or whatever it is. And you kind of go back and get to enjoy that. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes we have a meet and greet where we'll go out and talk to people and, and hang out a little bit, kind of do like a pre-show hang and it's always fun, but it, it also at the same time takes a little bit out of you. So Mm -hmm. that time in the green room is so sacred, um, to have to like regroup to kind of like, you know, change your clothes you maybe you take a shower maybe you eat whatever it is just to have like a little bit of time to prepare but Mm -hmm. um the hardest part is like if you're down to the wire on time so say we like leave in the morning and we hit construction say we get behind so we show up right at sound check all your cables are bad and you have to go to guitar yeah exactly which you never want to do. <laughs> but say, you, say, yeah, say you run into that stuff um, and you might not have time. Like there's been, there's been shows where we've had like maybe 15 minutes to prepare. Um, we got there late because of construction or whatever. Or yeah, cable goes bad and you got to run somewhere, whatever it is. You just have to deal. Like you have to make yourself get in that mindset and... That's why having that space is pretty sacred, but it's tough because like, you know, when you talk about pre-show rituals or whatever it is that we do, we 
I think we kind of regroup. We uh, say a few words. Whether it's uh, what what is the thing you say, brother? It's uh, it's like uh, make a set list, say a prayer, drink a whiskey, something like that. It's yep. like the routine of of just like having that constant is really important. Sometimes I drink the whiskey before I say the prayer, though. <laughs> I think that's necessary most times. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was. I was gonna ask if if we each have like the anchor. It's like what's the movie Inception? What's it called? They all have the thing that like t- lets them know if they're in a dream or not. Yes, it's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's like the one, one thing that we have before every show that we have to do. Otherwise, like our entire mojo is thrown off. Do you guys have those mm-hmm. things? Yeah, for me, it's uh, I have to write the set list, and it's not even. Uh, you know, I, I know some people, you know, Bon Jovi, they probably print their set list off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, writing it out is very therapeutic. Like, as I write each song, I am walking through the show in my mind. And mm-hmm. um, if I don't do that, I got to have at least one whiskey before we play just to loosen up. And, and you know, it's a weird thing because if I'm at home and I'm writing music or whatever, if I have two whiskeys, it feels very different than if I have two whiskeys before I play a show. Because mm-hmm. when I walk out on stage, my adrenaline is there and my consciousness is so heightened for mm. what we're about to do that two whiskeys might not do it. Right. You know, like I, I, I might feel a little bit anxious or like in my chest almost a little bit. So, um, you know, if we have a little bit of whiskey before we play and then if I have a, I know if I have like a full whiskey on stage, a, a company with those ones we had before we went out, I know that I'll be on like, when you think about it, most people that come to the shows and watch, they have had a few. Right. Or, or, you know, usually we have an opener, so they had a beer or two beers or a, a, a drink before they watched us. So right. I, I want to be on like this even keel with everybody. And so mm-hmm. I really, th- I think there's this thing that happens where, you know, I, I have friends and, and even guys that play with us, they don't drink at all. But I, as the um, person who's trying to like, talk to these people as we play a show I want to be on the same level like I want to feel like we're all just as loose as right. each other and you know if I walked out on the stage and had not had a drink I feel like I would be very um I already talk too much like as you guys know <laughs> at shows but like yeah I I would be I would talk way too much because I would be nervous and so mm having a drink and loosening up before we go out on stage, writing the set list. I, I don't like to eat necessarily because for me, just when I get on a microphone and I've had like, you know, you know, it tends to be before we play a show, it tends to be like the foods we really like, like barbecue or right. Mexican or something. Pretty so like not what on, you want to eat yeah, <laughs> right before. I, I get on the mic and I'm belching. So <laughs> I, I usually try to go pretty light though jake both both of you have seen me slam nachos before we go out on stage but it's true it's just like 
this kind of thing where like it, I'm, I'm trying to set physically set myself up for being on the same plane as these people, but also, um, you know, it's, it's never a thought of like, I'm above them in any right. way. I, I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like, well, he's sober, you know, like it, it, that sounds weird. That really sounds weird to say, but I don't want people to be like, well, I've had three beers and he has had nothing to drink, you know? Right. So on stage, even if I don't drink anything before having a whiskey in my hand or whatever for the show, I, th- I think it kind of puts everybody on like an even keel and it mm. makes people feel more comfortable to like enjoy the show because the the singer or the band is just as loose as I am. And I came out here on a Friday or a Thursday or a Saturday to have a good time. And so mm-hmm. if they're having a good time and loose and enjoying it, then I can too. That's the most important thing for me, like to get on the same level as, well, not only the, you know, the audience, but you guys, you know, I want... You know, I want the band to feel, and the, and there's some of us when we play that, that don't even have a drink, but like they're just like super goofy loose dudes that just <laughs> yeah. don't need whiskey to be loose and right. Um, Liquid I want I want everybody to just feel like they're like on the same plane in the same room. It's right. something. It it can really be detrimental, I think, for. Uh, for you to like focus too much on trying to, to do that. And right. Um, but, but just, you know, just like, is as long as everybody is having, like, even when you're singing the sad songs, you know, if, if everyone feels comfortable listening to those and everybody on stage feels comfortable playing those, then, then everything is good. You know, if we can all get sad at the same time and happy at the same time, Sometimes it just takes a little whiskey. Yeah, I hear you. Shout out that. to Pinhook Bourbon. Dude, <laughs> you're throwing them out. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, do you have any pre-show like half to do's or else your mojo is whack? I need to, to work out. <laughs> What's that? He has to work out. I mean, we've done that. We've but you I'm know, talking I'm talking like at the gym. In sure. the green room half hour before you take the stage, what's like the one thing you have to do to get your mind right? I got to eat something. Otherwise I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't care what it is. I have to eat something. Dark chocolate almonds or mm. a slider. It can't be too much though. Cause then you go into like this lethargic mindset where you get yeah. on stage and you just feel full. But, um, that's really important. I, I normally don't wear, this sounds crazy, but I I normally don't wear what I wear during the show because when I put that on, it's almost like a, a mindset change. Yeah. I put the hat on or I put a different pair of boots on or whatever it is, and it kind of helps me um, get into that mindset. And mm-hmm. I think that's more of like a, a mental, like a placebo effect where I feel like I'm ready but, well, it's like putting your uniform on right before right. a football game. Exactly. I do the same. I do the same thing. Like I used to, um, because I was afraid of seeming like a diva, like walking into the venue with a hanger and you know an outfit like in your hands. But um, 
th- that has become something that I do too. Um, I always have to change like basically right after sound check. So maybe I do it too early because then I'm in the zone for like the whole two hours before we take the stage. But as soon as I change my clothes, like my mindset has shifted. Like I'm in, I'm in a different mode than I was for the rest of the day. Um, and for Isn't me, that like, weird though, it's like switching from sweatpants to a suit to go to work. It is. You know, and like, it's just, it's just a different version of jeans and a t-shirt rea- in, in all reality. But it's right. like the, <laughs> the version of that, that I had intended for the thing. And so when I put that on, I know, okay, it's like about to be game time. Shit's um, real, bro. It's going down. Yeah. I totally get it. And I, I, I try really hard to not, um, to just stay either in the green room or like in the van, because to me, there's like this very special moment when you see the room and sound check and it's completely empty. And then the next time you see that same room is full of people. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I'm peeking through the curtains or like watching people trickle in, um, I'm not in the same, I'm like a little bit too relaxed about it. I'm like, Oh, they, you yeah. know, there's not that many people out there. And it's not that I want to like walk out and be blown away by how many people there are, but, I feel like I have to be disconnected so that when I come out, I get the butterflies of like, oh, mm-hmm. damn, this here we are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Dude, one thing that I, I think that I gravitate towards is that feeling of tension right before you on stage. Yeah. I like to sit in that and, and just let it consume me and kind of like almost be uncomfortable. I don't know why I desire that, but I, first of all, I never look. Like, I don't like to peek through the curtain because... I don't know what it is. It, it like screws with my head, but Same. I, yeah, I, I also like to sit there behind the stage and hear the crowd here, you know, the room is full and it's like this sort of energy that kind of happens inside of me that makes me feel empowered and like mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. And it's kind of twisted in a way because it's like that feeling you get when you're about to go on the Gravitron or the Ferris wheel or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're riding a ride and you're like, I could be sick, but I'm not going to throw up because I'm excited. Right. And it's like this weird sort of tension, but I, dude, I live for that. That's yeah. one of my favorite feelings before a show, which sounds screwed up, but no, dude, I, I totally I get it. To like, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's probably the most, one of the most important things for me. And that's why like it took, it took a long time for my, my good friends and family to accept the fact that I'm not going to go talk to them before a show. (laughs) Because to me, like it messes me up to like have done sound check and all this and have put on my show clothes and then walk out into the the gallery and talk to people and then walk back. Like I'm not trying to sound like a diva, but I think there's this, there's this separation that makes the whole experience really cool because I remember Mm -hmm. being like, when I go to shows, I love that kind of air of mystery and the theatrics of it all kind of. And Mm -hmm. like when they walk out on stage for the first time and that's the first time that you're seeing them for like a year or however long it had been since it's like when you see a, a good friend for the first time, but then you're smacked in the face with music and emotion all at the same time. Like, I feel like if yep. you, if you do too much mingling before the show, it like ruins that not only for you, but it can, mm-hmm. it can kind of take away from that experience for people in the crowd, in my opinion. Yeah, it kind of dilutes it. Right. But I also think there's this yeah. cool moment when, 
like if you go out in the wings to listen to the opener or whatever, but you've been in the green room for the last two hours, the first time you go out, you don't see anyone, but you can hear how many voices are in the room. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when the the hairs kind of start to stand up on the back of my neck. And I'm like, no, I can't Absolutely. look. If I, if I look, it's going to ruin it. It's going to ruin the surprise. So <laughs> I, I feel the look. same way. I know Tyler's Tyler Tyler's out there like drinking hands singing with the, when the when the openers singing and dude he I, just know, goes out man he doesn't he doesn't he's not phased we've gotten trouble enough times um, for trying to get a little time before the shows uh, yeah I remember specifically we had this guy message us we were in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania um, and. Uh, we were playing this venue. It was like a Tuesday night, so not like a huge deal. Um, we didn't expect a ton of people, but sound check was really good. Sound guy was really good. We um, we did our sound check, and then Nick and I went upstairs, and we had driven from Texas the night before. So um, it was a very long drive, no shower, no shave type deal. Um, we go up to the green room. The girl came up and asked what we wanted to eat. They were going to bring the food up to us. And she was like, you guys can take a shower if you need to. There's a shower in the green room. So, um, I took a shower, shaved. We ordered some food. Uh, we won't say what venue it was, but I'm very certain that we saw like a mouse Mm. stick his head up while we were in the green room. (laughs) Tasty. (laughs) Yep. But, um, just, this is one of those places. And then, um, we were on our computers, Nick and I, we were charging all of our stuff and we were trying to, uh, basically get ready for the next show. Um, opener started. So I go downstairs without my hat. I wasn't in my show dress, which is not really a big deal. It's basically blue jeans. (laughs) <laughs> basically blue jeans and a t-shirt but I w- when I went down I was just wearing whatever went to the bar ordered a beer I watched the opener for you know 20 minutes and they were great um, I went back upstairs finished what I was doing on my laptop Nick and I finished working on the set list we came down and played the show um, like in the middle of the show I noticed that there was this guy and the girl he was with were like upset about Mm. something. I don't don't know. They were like trying to get refunds for the tickets or something. I, this was a very small venue. Yeah. Uh So it was like, you could hear this happening at Mm. the door. Um, so they left or whatever, played the show, um, loaded out, packed up all our stuff headed home, headed to the hotel. Um, I got a message on Facebook at like 11 PM and it was from this guy that had left the venue early. Mm. And he was like, you're such a son of a bitch. Like that you wouldn't come out and listen to the opener. And, what? you know, in, in all this stuff. And he, he went on and was like, you're not even that good. And it wasn't even like, we tried to get a refund for our ticket and we couldn't. And it was, like all this stuff. And I and I basically just wrote him back and was like, hey man, we drove a real long way. We yeah. were up in the green room. I came down and watched the opener. You might not have noticed it, but I right. was at the bar and I had a beer and I watched him and he was really good. So if he was your buddy or whatever, like please tell him 
we really yeah. <laughs> enjoyed his show. And uh, they actually, um, they thought we were in the van when they left mm. because because I heard them, I I heard them hit the side of the van like. <laughs> And they Jeez. left the debt in the side of the van. Jeez. Like he was not happy. But there's just one of those things. Like this all goes Hater's back to gonna you. hate. You can't expect people to understand what we're doing. Right. You can't expect people to understand where we've come from or the whole day that we've had. And even the people that we love and know that come to watch us, you know, a lot of times morning of show, we'll get a text that's like, hey, what are you guys doing for lunch today? We'd love to come. Yeah, we'd love to take you to lunch, and we're like, "Oh man, we ain't even in town yet." You we're know, five like, bro, we got seven road. hours. Still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get there like right before, and and I always feel bad about it because I know that those people want to like connect beyond. They they hear the music and they feel very connected to what we're doing. Right, they buy the ticket. They, they spend their money. They spend yes, their time. But but they want a little bit more because they feel invested in us. So, you know, it's so nice when we can invest in them and have, and have great conversations right. with them, but it's just not logistically not Feasible. possible <laughs> to, to, to talk to everyone yeah. that, that comes out. Well, I'm hoping yeah. that's why we I'm started doing some of the meet and greets where we could actually be intentional about that time. And right. It's still tough because not everybody gets a ticket to that. And there's this like obligation that you feel when you roll into town to thank everybody and to be so grateful and to like show your appreciation. And it's literally impossible to reach 300 people that show up right. to a venue or 500, you know, it's, there's no way that you can sincerely tell each person separately that right. you really admire the way that they've come out and supported you. But even you know, though we you do. do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just a battle. Well, I'm hoping but. that like shit, shedding some light on this will for the, you know, eight people that listen to this podcast regularly. <laughs> um, We've gone down from 10. <laughs> well, you know, like I get it because <laughs> I often feel like I'm the asshole because you guys are so much more like out and about and you guys make a point to do all that. Um, but I like it. I feel like everyone needs to understand that on the days that you can't do it, like when you have a 12 hour drive to get across the country for the next day, um, it's not a personal decision that you're just like, well, F all these peasants, I'm on to the next one. You know, it's just right. like, yeah. if you want to make the next show and be on time and not be rushed and have a good performance for all those people who also spent all their money or their money to come see you, you know, like it's a rinse and repeat. You know, the, there's the performance right. and then, you know, if you have me along with you, you're lucky because I do all the tear down and everything for you guys. So <laughs> you, can, you can go mingle a little bit more. Um, but if yeah, not for that. I just want to touch on that. Like that's an important piece is when we have you guys, you guys are literally doing so much work behind the scenes after the show. And that mm -hmm. allows Tyler and I to go out and to talk to people and thank them for being there. And even though the Talbot Brothers is on the marquee, it's very much a even keel team effort that goes into it. And it's it's like a point in the show where you you have to realize where Jake, you're, you know, after the show, you're tearing down, you're making sure everything's put back where it needs to be. 
you're making sure everything's organized, people are ready and prepared for the next day, for the next show. Stuff's right. exactly how it needs to be. Guitars are packed up, pedal boards are packed exactly how they should be. And that's like if you hear if you hear that out loud, it's like, oh, okay, that's not really a big deal. But when that comes down to the wire and you're loading in, you're doing everything, those are some of the most important components of the show being successful is like mm. eliminating that stress and the fact right. that you and whoever else is with us, but especially you, are able to understand that and do that. Like that takes that takes your time, you know, and that takes your Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuff to do after a show to kind of coordinate that too. And I feel like that's right. something you do really well. Thanks, man. Happy to do it. But I mean, like from my perspective, once the performance is over, the next day has started. And so if you're rushing it's around crazy. I hate rushing around and doing things like I can work with a sense of urgency, but I hate it because it gives me anxiety and I usually <laughs> mess stuff up. So I feel like, you know, if, if I spent, I wish like I would like to go talk to people, but most of the time they don't know who I am or care anyway. So I would rather spend <laughs> that time helping make sure that the next day will go off without a hitch. So if we were, you know, rushing around the last five minutes before the venue closes to get everything packed up, what happens when you leave your guitar strap or, you know, you, yeah. like you spend 20 minutes at the sound check of the next show looking for something because you didn't, like it wasn't packed up properly. So totally, it does really kind of set you up for success for the next day, um, which is why I, I think it's so important. So, yeah. And then, then there's times where we play in Raleigh, North Carolina and dude, we're running around and trying to find <laughs> gear and <laughs> This Wait is a what sec. happened. It's so furnished. Hold up. Jake lands. We pick Jake up. Um, immediately we tell him, hey, man, we don't have a drum set for this show. <laughs> we so there's this no is like an out, Yeah, <laughs> There's an outdoor festival. This, this show, just jumping forward, turns out to be a sick show. Yeah, it was it's awesome. It's like an outdoor festival with like... It was huge. <laughs> tons of people. A thousand but people. Nick, uh, Jake lands and we're scrambling to try to find a drum set. Like we drove to two different guitar centers <laughs> and then we went to this place um, that ended up having like a full kit that we rented out. Well, I just want to preface this. This was in the middle of a tour when we were completely worn out. Like we weren't right. thinking straight. We were super tired. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So um, we get the drum kit from this venue. Terrible drum kit, by the way. Like I was terrible. not, not excited to play this drum set. Okay. <laughs> because just to shed some light on this, this wasn't, this wasn't ill planning on our part. Typically what happens for these festival shows like this is they will have what's called a backline drum set where the company that's setting up all the, the gear and stuff provides a drum set um, just so that they don't have to, especially if there's a lot of bands playing, sometimes it's nicer if the bands can just say, I'll play the back line so they don't have to spend time, you know, loading in and out a, a drum set. Cause that's really takes the most time of everything that you have to mm -hmm. load on. Um, so we were expecting MC a back included. line and then I landed cause I feel like we had talked about this. I had, been, I had asked if there was a back line and you yes. said yes. And then I landed and then come to find out there was no backline. So we spent... So we were told. We spent all of the time that we would have spent normally, you know, like 
going through our routines, being super chill, you know, making sure everything was going to be good, driving around this town (laughs) that we had never been to before, (laughs) going to Guitar Center, which like, we're not sponsored by Guitar Center, thank God, because I'm just going to go on record and say it is the (laughs) worst experience of my life ever. When you roll into a Guitar Center and you say, okay, do you guys, which is a thing they do, they rent gear. So you ask, hey, do you have a drum set we can rent? And they take you to the back and it's like half a cymbal stand, a throne with no yes. seat and a kick drum. And they say, this is $3,000 to rent. You're like, uh, okay. So then we went to another just like local music store and they let us rent like basically the shittiest drum set that they were selling because they knew it was terrible. And it was not even like a complete set and the symbols were terrible. They let us take that for like $200 for the day, which they were probably selling it for $200. So they yeah. know, doubled yeah. their money on it. <laughs> the best part, we you know spent six hours doing this probably. We roll up to the venue <laughs> and I'm like in the back, like kind of just like rubbing my temple, like, oh, this is going to be one of those shows. <laughs> like I couldn't, even, I couldn't see out the window. And Nick goes, is that a drum set? and i thought he was because it's an outdoor show you know you could see the stage from the road and i thought he was kidding i was like dude don't like i about got really mad i was about to be like dude (laughs) don't joke which in all reality like nick wouldn't have joked about that because he was three times more stressed out than i was yeah so i run up to the front of the van that they had an entire amp section yeah, they had everything backlined. I ran up to the front of the van and they had this killer drum set drum set, set up. Like we had wasted that entire time doing all that. But the funny thing was the show actually ended up being sick. So maybe yes. like maybe that's the key is just to run around town like a chicken with your head right. cut off the whole time. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the the funniest part was is we pretended we didn't have any instruments with us. We're like, oh yeah, this is totally cool, man. Like, yeah, we'll use your amps, we'll use your drum set. Like, this is exactly yeah. what we expected. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Miscommunication. Yeah. It made it a lot easier when we got on stage. Yeah. Anyway, you it doesn't learn. It doesn't always go as planned, but hopefully this episode shed some light on our kind of ideal day in the life of a, a show. Um, you know, after the performance, we do the teardown. There's basically never time to just chill afterward unless there's a day off after the show. So it, mm-hmm. it's kind of just rinse and repeat after that. Um, we do some things at the beginning to prepare for the next day and pack it up, load it in, get it done and do it again. So, Hey, that's a song. <laughs> that's the motto. Anyway, this was a fun one. I'm glad that hopefully this this was a good um, insight for all y'all that are listening. Um, if there's anything that else, fast. If there's anything about this that um, you want us to do more detail about, um, we have plenty of stories that we could do. So maybe we do a part two of this episode and just do um, assorted show stories. But uh, let us know specific things um, in the comments of our Instagram or um, DM us or whatever. Comment, rate, and subscribe if you haven't already. And our Instagram is at Similar Vein Podcast. Uh, you can hit us up there with whatever you want to hear about. Until next time, I'll see you guys. See you, fellas. See y'all.